We love y'all, man. You guys are fantastic. I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 2, and we'll go there in just a minute, but I want to, just for sake of uh, catching up, we, were, we started this series last week, so I kind of want to take a second just to give you a, a catch-up. If you weren't here last week, um, it was good. We had melt ice cream. It was fantastic. We kicked off dinner parties. Uh, it was awesome. I don't care if you had 24 like we had in, uh, 24 adults like we had on Fish Street, which sooner or later is going to have to break into another one or else you guys are going to have to start calling it a block party. But regardless, you know, the dinner party there or whether we had in Colleyville or uh, North Richmond Hills or Alliance or uh, South Main, like I just, we, the, the greatest thing we could ever do is just continue to replicate dinner parties, getting people around the table. I sat with a, a guy named Abraham Alexander, who's a local artist in the area, local musician yesterday for lunch. And, uh, and we just talked talked about the key to our country is uh, the table. It always has been. Uh, the rows are great. Like, don't get me wrong. The rows at church, the rows at the movie theater, the rows that, that you even set up in your house where you set your couches up, right? It is all facing a television or the rows that, at uh, public events or whatever it is. But let me just tell you, the one thing that changes a culture and changes a city is when you get people around a table and you find out that people are human. And, and so we started a series called From the Dust, and it's going to go for a bit because uh, I, I believe in it. I've actually been aching to preach this series, and in fact, you probably heard what you're going to hear me say over these next several weeks, you probably heard me say before. And uh, I, 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 this is something that's so deep in my heart. What I want our church to feel like and look like, the desire of our hearts. Uh, Meredith as well, who's on FaceTime right now. She couldn't come. Our little boys are sick. Everybody say, hi, Mare. And um, she loves church that much, y'all. She loves you that much. And she loves me that much. Hi, babe. And, uh, and we, 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 man, our desire, the heart of our church is that people would discover who they're created to be. Why do we say Jesus on every street and every heart? Is because we believe as people discover who they are in Christ, they will take him wherever they go. And we, if you got into discussion at dinner party, you had some of those questions. Not only what would you do if you could do anything, but how can what you do be affected by who you are? I think sometimes we allow what we do to, to mess with who we are rather than who we are changing what we do. And we tend to go, well, if our career doesn't allow me to be who I am, then I just won't be who I am. And I'm just going to tell you, that is not the way you were created or made. You're not frustrated just because you don't like your job. You're frustrated because in your job, you're not being who you are. I didn't get any amens on that one. I got one because you'd rather me tell you, go get a new job, right? I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm just saying. So just as a way of, of catch up, Genesis 1 and we don't have this on the screen. I'm just going to read a couple key statements. It says, then God said, let us make man in our image. And we talked about last week that word image was not just this idea that you would look like me, but was this idea that you would carry the same authority. So when Jesus says to his disciples, I've given you all authority under heaven, what he's saying is I'm continuing to do what I set out to do from the beginning, to make you more and more like who I am so that you would do things in the earth. All right, so the, the whole idea of this word image was actually an idea of, of kingship or a king and queen, that you were royalty. And, and don't get weird with that word. He's simply saying, and the message translation says it great, he says you are now responsible. So in, the, in, in your translation it would say what? It would say you're created in the image of God so that they will rule. Those two words are, they, will, they can never be separated. They are linked you're created in my image so that you would rule. No other animal was created in the image of God. We, I get that we all have vertebrae, but we are not all the same. 
right? Ants are never going to build anything but an anthill. That's what they do. You and I are created with this creativity and this ability to, to rule or, in other words, be responsible for the things that have been put in our hearts. And so the other two words used in the message, which are great, two words, reflection and reproduction. Be a reproduce and reflect. Reflect my image in the earth and reproduce me in the earth. Bring, that's why do we pray, bring your kingdom of uh, heaven to earth? Why do we pray that? Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Why do we pray that? Because that was from the very beginning what he set out for us to do. So now when you read the New Testament and you read words like reign in life or rule in life or anything like that, you are more than an overcomer, you're a conqueror, you're victorious. Why do we read those types, why do we read that kind of language? Because that's who we're created to be. And when we lock into that, we begin to treat people and treat this earth and treat our calling the way we should treat it. And so it's an important idea, it's an important understanding that from the very beginning, God created you with a purpose. I think sometimes we think Adam and Eve are just hanging around on the water, drinking a Mai Tai, and if that's your drink of choice, but not here in this church. And, um, and, uh, uh, and, and you're just hanging out, just relaxing, but that's not what the garden was. That's not actually, and I'm getting a little ahead of myself. And then he says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. That's where you'd find that reproduce word in the message. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. In other words, here's your mandate. I've created you to rule, and what I want you to do when you rule is to do this thing. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Let it be something you're responsible for, that you take care of, that you run with. Let it be something that we walk in. Let it be something that we take care of. We were created in his image. And I, the reason we think this is so important, the reason I believe this is such a uh, massive part of what we do is because I think for too long we tell ourselves this, um, if you just know who you are, you're fine. Don't worry about what you do. And I actually don't think that's healthy. I think what you do comes out of who you are, but both are incredibly important. And so many times we've excused ourselves from what we do in the, in the desire to discover who we are but I actually think they both go together. I think if I know who I am, I will do something different. It's like my kids, y'all, right? When they know they're around dad, they get to do things that are different because they know who they are. Well, I'm his son. I'm gonna take advantage of that, <laughs> right? There's something about knowing who you are that allows you to walk in what you do. It's incredibly important. It's online, but you can go check it out. I just, I think it's important for us to get that. Now, the, the challenge, I think, for many of us, that maybe the issue that many of us run into is that maybe on certain days and in certain scenarios and in certain circumstances, we don't quite feel like we rule. We don't quite feel like we are royal. And again, I know the word is kind of like, so we boss everybody around. No, again, I think more responsibility than anything else. We, we, we rule, we're responsible for what God has created created in his image so that we could do what he intended to do, right? That's the whole purpose of this. But I think sometimes, whether it's because of our career or a relationship or because of just where we're at in our life, when we consider where we had wanted to be in our life, we don't quite feel like we are ruling the day. Does everybody wake up every day feel like they're ruling the day? Somebody, anybody have a shirt that says something like, I rule or I am, just so you can wear it on days where you don't feel that way, right? Or you got that coffee mug that says, you're awesome, you know, just so you can, I, man, I know it now, man. I 
I bought this and I told myself that I, you know, and I get it. Sometimes we don't feel that way. So what happens is when we don't fully understand that or believe that, we actually don't act that way either. So for some reason we're a little bit easier to agitate or we are a little more frustrated or we, we, we kind of snip at people. And for some of you that snip is a lot louder than other people's. But, but we, we tend to get a little frustrated quicker or, you know, we, we, whatever the case might be, we don't always feel like that's who we are. And I wanted to talk about that today. And maybe if, if it's a simple title, but I, I would almost say that our title today for this message is Work is Worship. I'm hoping that today actually you find not, not pressure, but I hope that you find freedom in this understanding of what we're going to talk about. Because Genesis 1 is kind of this 30,000-foot view of creation. It kind of is this high view of what's going on in the earth. And then Genesis 2 kind of zooms in on what really went on. Genesis 2 kind of is, puts you on the street corner. It's, it's not the Google Earth view. It's the one where you get down and you actually can see what's going on. And, and he begins to describe what he does with Adam. And he begins to talk about some different things. So I want to read Genesis 2. This is where I had you turn. Genesis 2, chapter 4. And we've got a lot of ground to cover. Hopefully we'll make it through. Otherwise we'll just do it next week. Genesis chapter 2 says this. In verse 4, out of the New Living Translation, it says, When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, neither wild plants nor grains were growing on the earth. Now, he gave us two reasons for that. For the Lord God had not yet sent rain to water the earth, and there were no people to cultivate the soil. I love this verse. He doesn't say, I hadn't created people yet. He just simply says, they weren't there yet. So I, I hadn't brought the water, and they hadn't done the cultivating. There's an incredibly strong picture of partnership in this verse. And it is not a picture that ever goes away. As you read the rest of the Bible, God is so busy using people to accomplish his purpose. And so this idea of, oh, the water hadn't come and people hadn't been there to cultivate yet, that was a massive idea and it was one that is carried throughout. Every author of the Bible speaks to this idea that you are called to be a part of what God is doing and not just like everything else, but you specifically as a human, as someone created with a purpose and a calling, as someone made with intentionality, you are made with a purpose to cultivate something that I have created. That, that you are actually here so that you might cultivate what's been put in your hands. So God says, I've created the earth. I haven't yet brought the rain. And the people aren't here to cultivate it yet. And that's the idea that I think I am so, so blown away by as we read through this and as we talk about this series. Because our responsibility is to cultivate. Now, I just want to give you a couple definitions for the word cultivate. In case you didn't know, I'm sure you have an idea, but let me just give it to you uh, in a few different ways that the dictionary would define this word cultivate. To prepare and use. I want you to think about this. This is your role. Okay, God's going to bring the things that you can't bring. He's going to bring the water, and he's going to bring the provision, and he's going to put you in a place. But, but here's a part of your responsibility is to cultivate. What does that mean? It means to prepare and to use, to develop, to promote or improve the growth of. In other words, God gave us something to do. Isn't that cool? I mean, I think that's cool. I think the God who created the earth, who probably could have also cultivated the earth, created you so you could cultivate it. He gave you a purpose. And not one that you must, like, just 
be discouraged by or just deal with, or, or, but one that you could actually enjoy, one that you could actually walk around doing life. I mean, it's, it's the kind of the same parable as the talent, right? Here, I've given you this. Do something with it. It doesn't matter what you've been given, whether it's one or more. I've given you something. Do something with it. That, that, that's your calling in life, to do more with what you've been given because God in you and for you called you to do that. And we've said this before, one of the greatest witnesses you could ever give in your life is to do well with what you've been given. It doesn't mean you're going to be successful in, the ter- in terms of this world. It may not be any of those things, but it might be that you do more with this than anybody else has ever done with this. And you may never get praised for it, and you may never get told, wow, man, you, that's amazing. But you know in your spirit that you're doing well what, with what you've been given. Being faithful in what you've been giving been given. It's, it, again, it's, I think of my children. I think of uh, my boys, uh, my dream that I have for them at one and four years old. I'm already thinking about uh, the football they can throw really well, and I'm already thinking about the things I want them to read, and I'm already thinking about the dreams and desires I have for my life. And guess what? I just want you to think about this. God is not parenting my child. He's created my child and given it to me to cultivate my child. He's given me responsibility. I mean, how weird would it be for me to sit in my house with a child that I call mine, but God is the one disciplining him? I don't even know how that would work. I'm just saying. Like, how weird would it be for me to be there but not actually have any responsibility? God gave us a partnership. He wants us to be fruitful and multiply. He wants us to be people who take what we have been given and steward it well. And do something with it. And that's the part that we don't always think about, but we always uh, tend to think about the garden like a resort, like a honeymoon, right? Like Adam and Eve, hey, they got created, and, well, I guess they got married too, and then, and then they, they are on their honeymoon hanging out with the flowers and the animals, you know, petting the tigers, and they're doing all this, like, just, like, amazing stuff, right? And, but that's not actually what the Scripture says, what does the scripture say? It says that I, I, the, the, the water hadn't come yet, and, there, and, and the people weren't there to cultivate the soil. I'm, that does not sound like vacation. Right? If, that was, if you're looking for a honeymoon, which I know I was talking to somebody the other day. They're looking, they're looking at, oh, Kyle. And, um, and, uh, and, and looking at honeymoons. And I'm just glad he didn't pick a place that said, and we also have opportunities for you to cultivate the soil. Help us build this amazing resort. Like, no, that's not. And, but we, we often view Eden and paradise like that, don't we? We often view it as though it didn't have anything for them to do. But, but Eden was not a product. It was a project. Eden was not a product fully delivered. It was a project given to us to cultivate and bring more out of because God had created it and given us power to be something in it and do something with it. And so you and I, our responsibility and our joy in life is that we can take something that isn't fully formed yet, these raw materials, and begin to make something of it that wasn't there yet. And God would lead us and guide us in that conversation. And here's my only problem with all of that, is that the word cultivation sounds like work. 
Like, how many of you have ever thought about Genesis and creation? You heard the story. Maybe you've never heard the story. It's a great story. You should go look at it. You only have to read one chapter of the Bible, and you're good. And it's this incredible. And it's like, how many of you have ever thought of creation and then thought of paradise, and never once have you ever thought about work? How many of you have ever thought of work as a curse? But work was in the garden. I mean, we're created in the image of God. Guess what? He's a great engineer. He's a great creator. He's a, he's a great king. He does all that. But you know what he also is? Man, he works hard. I know I'm just, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, y'all looking at me like, what? I thought we were, like, trying to do Eden thing, like, just chill out and eat grapes and stuff. And Work was in the garden, meaning that work was not, now remember, work was not meant to be a curse. It, work got cursed, but it was not the curse. Your job, no matter how much you do not like it, and no matter how much you don't think it is your calling and purpose in life to do, it's work. And God did not intend for you to walk in every day huffing and puffing and being frustrated about where you work. And belittling the opportunity as though the people who work with you have no value to God. As though the people you are talking about do not, are not of any worth to him. As though the fact that he's placed you there doesn't have any purpose or any intentionality because you don't like what you do. Because you've limited what you do to the product you're delivering and not the people you're around. And not the people you can influence. And not the people you can hang out with. And the people you can pray for. And the kids who are dealing with the worst home situations that you can pray for while they're doing their homework. And the, I mean, come on. You just, man, you're bagging groceries. Guess what? You're touching 100 people a day that just need to know they're human. And they're created in the image of God. They're created to create. They're created to make. They're created to cultivate. They're created with a mandate and a mission. They're created with a responsibility to reflect and reproduce. You have this incredible opportunity to cultivate the ground. And it doesn't always look awesome. But I found, man, there's times where I'll sit on my couch and watch some TV and feel less rested than if I had gone outside and mowed my lawn. And I don't like mowing my lawn. I've got a big backyard. Mary and I were like, we need a big backyard. It's awesome. I just wish we would shut up. What do you mean? I don't like mowing my lawn. In fact, I don't mow my lawn. But I fixed the sprinklers. I fixed the sprinklers. Here's my point. Here's my point. Here's my point. Sometimes I'll get done doing that, and I'll go inside, and I'll sit down. And I would feel way better than if I had just sat on that couch the whole time. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Why? Because you used your hands. Why? Because you're made to. And it will not be a product. It will be a project. In fact, you are a project. And part of what allows you to work out who you are is by doing the things that are put in front of you to do. Work was a part of paradise. So if, if created in his image is in our job title, if that's our job title, if we want to take it there, if that's our job title, our job description is to be those who cultivate the earth because to rule, to be responsible is to work. 
That, that for us to be people who actually operate in what God's created us to be, it will actually take work. But I want to tell you something, and we'll talk a bit about this a little later in this series. But the idea that we would rest without working is actually rest that doesn't work. Have you ever met that person? They do a lot of resting, and they're never rested. They're still frustrated and still complaining and still negative and still wondering what they're going to do with their life because rest to just rest isn't actually helpful for you. That's why you can work all week just so you can have a few days to live it up and be just as frustrated Sunday night because what you just did did not actually give you any rest because you didn't actually work with any intentionality. If you want to rest well, you've got to work well. And we, I'm going to make sure I'm going in order. There's a, I told you there's a lot to cover. I want to make sure I'm doing this the right way because I don't want to get out of bounds on anything. We as believers are not meant to escape culture but to excavate it. Cultivate and culture, similar root words. For us to cultivate something would be also to build culture in something. To put into it what it needs so that it would produce life. We haven't even gotten to the next part of the verse. The American dream, this is a great quote from John Mark Homer's, great quote. It says, the American dream, which started out as the brilliant idea that everybody should have a shot at a happy life, has devolved over the years into a narcissistic desire to make as much money as possible in as little time as possible with as little effort as possible so that we can get off work and go do something else. What a miserable life. Genesis' idea of being human was that we don't work to live, we live to work. So why aren't people fulfilled when they party all weekend? I'm not saying you can't party, we like to party. That's one of our core values, Separate, celebrate loudly and often. We like to have a good time. Y'all know that. I'm not telling you don't do that. I'm telling you don't do that just for the sake of doing that. Do it because you've spent your heart and your life and your hands building something that you could actually celebrate. So let's keep reading. Genesis 2, verse 8. And this is where this kind of the raw materials of life show up. Then the Lord God planted a garden in, the Eden, of, in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that were produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed a tree of life, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed through the land of Eden, watering the garden and then dividing into four branches. The first branch called Pishon flowed around the entire land of Hevila. Why am I reading this part? I just skipped to the part I want to talk about. Where gold is found, the gold of that land is exceptionally pure. Aromatic, resin, and onyx stone are also found there. The second branch called the you know, flowed around the entire land. The third branch, called the Tigris, hey, there you go, flowed east of the land. I'm not saying that one. The fourth branch is called the Euphrates. All right, y'all with me? God's funny. Verse 15, the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. Now, when I read that verse, one thing stuck out to me. He didn't give Adam an option. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying God doesn't give you desires of your heart. I'm not saying God doesn't want you to think and dream and believe for. I'm not saying God doesn't have this desire for you that you can walk into. But I'm just telling you, he might not start you where you wanted to be. That he might place you somewhere. 
and, and to be faithful with where he's placed you. Because he places you with a purpose. He says he placed them there. And I think sometimes our greatest challenge in life is our frustration with where he has placed us. Again, I'm not saying God doesn't give you a choice. I'm saying don't discount where he's already placed you. What you desire, and I've, man, I can tell you, I've heard story after story after story after story, including my own, where if I would quit despising where he has placed me, and I would simply cultivate where he's placed me, what I desire would actually come to pass. That what you desire might come as you cultivate what you're currently despising. What you currently think of as too small or not enough or not your calling or not your purpose or not your thing. Because here's what I would tell you. Your calling is not your career. And when you limit your calling to your career, you limit your calling. You limit what God's. So I would say it like this. For many of you, you've said it's what I do when I, check, when I clock in and clock out. No, no, no. It's what you do always. Your calling is. In a lot of ways, what you always do. I, I, one example of a, from a book I read about a guy who said he was always going to lead leaders. Well, it didn't matter what industry he ended up in, whether it was hospitality or whether it was actually in a leadership, running a leadership conference, he always ended up leading leaders because it wasn't the assignment that determined his calling. It was his calling that determined his assignment. Some of you need to dig in. We're going to dig into that over the next few weeks. We'll do a little Q&A talking about calling. But maybe there's a place for some of us that right now, right in front of you, right where you currently are. You are despising something because it's not what you expected it to be. And it's actually in those places that you're going to discover more about who you are and more about your next season than if you had done what you always wanted to do. And it's when we understand that our calling isn't limited by our job title, job description. In fact, if we would get the right job title and right job description, we'd begin to unlimit where we currently are and what we are currently doing. I'm not saying you have to stick in a terrible job for the rest of your life. I'm not saying any of those things. I'm saying quit limiting yourself by the job you don't like, by the career you don't enjoy. In fact, realize that your promotion will come that when you take the thing that nobody else likes and make it something. When, listen, if you can get fruit out of some land that nobody else has ever been able to get fruit out of, guess or vegetables out of the land that nobody else can get vegetables out of, guess what? You're going to get a job. And it could be in a bunch of different industries because you did something with something that nobody else could do. Sometimes the very thing that you don't want to do is the very thing you should keep doing so that you can discover what you are actually meant to do. Make something of the world you've been placed in. And then he says this, and this is the part that I think will unlimit us and really take us to a new place. And, and as you can tell, I really wanted to make sure I cover everything. I don't like using my notes this way, but I'm doing it for you. Maybe, uh, maybe... That's my pops. Good to have you back. Maybe the problem is not the place, but our perception of the place. Because here's something to think about. We just read this verse. He placed them in the garden so that they would tend to it and work it, that they would watch over it and that they would work it. Again, that word work. Here's something to think about. That word abad in Genesis 2.15, which, which actually speaks to the word tend tend to it. That word abad is also the same word used all over the Hebrew Bible as the word for worship. 
The same word that speaks to work in the garden is also the word that speaks to worship. In other words, is it possible that we have limited our worship because we've limited our definition of the word work? Have we limited our work because we've limited the definition of the word worship? When in actuality, those things are so tied together that your work is your worship. And, and, and again, maybe you limit the word work. Because let me just tell you something. For some of you moms who stay home with your kids, guess what? That's work. For some of you that are going to school full time to get a degree, guess what? That's work. Those of you just trying to keep your family together and run a great family and be a great marriage, that's work. For those of you who go in your backyard and get your neighbors to come over and help you fix the sprinkler, that's work. And where you're going tomorrow morning at 8 a.m., that's work. And all of it, because the Bible never separates out our spirituality, never compartmentalizes it, never says it's only on Sunday or Wednesday at dinner parties. It says everything, everything is spiritual because in the Bible, all things were worshiped. So do all these things under the glory of God. Do all these things as though this would glorify him. How many of you right now, you're already thinking Monday is going to be a little different? Tomorrow I'm walking in not just to do a job, but to actually worship God in who I am at my job. That, that I can actually begin to walk with this greater level of purpose and let me just that doesn't mean you stop doing your work. It means do your work so flipping well with such a generosity and such a grace and such an excellence and such a strength that, man, people go, gosh, like that guy. He's, I'll, I'll talk about, like, uh, like Joe back here in the back. Alyssa is telling me, and I'm not going to bag on guys, but I am going to. And, uh, but I, she's been hiring all these girls at Roots. She's probably not supposed to tell me this. But she's been hiring all these girls. I was like, why are you hiring all these girls? And she goes, because every time I try to hire a guy, he doesn't do the job. Joe does. Way to go, Joe. I just saw him. I just wanted to say hi. What's up, buddy? Here's the, No, but I'm serious. Do your job with such a generosity and a grace and a vibrancy. Like, quit. Man, if we are believers and we love Jesus and we believe he's given us rivers of living water and we have abundant life, why are we walking in our job talking bad about it, talking bad about our boss, talking bad about our coworkers, talking bad about that person and this person? And we are not any different. In fact, I find that so many times because we are so captivated and consumed with this idea of calling, we can actually be worse. Because we make it so personal. Well, I'm not in my calling yet. So I'm just, I, this is not for me. I'm not going to. And we actually get worse than the people who are going about their job doing it well and they don't even know who Jesus is. That should never happen. Because our initial calling, our universal calling, not even our specific one, is that we would be people who go into all the earth making disciples and they have Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Why? Because we are meant to go into all the world, be fruitful and multiply, reproduce, subdue it and rule and be responsible for the place God has placed us. I mean, how amazing would it be if a, this whole room walked into their job tomorrow and wherever you work, whether it's sitting on your couch with your kids or whether it's out of place with a bunch of coworkers, whatever is your work, that you wake up tomorrow and go, God, I'm doing this to your glory. 
And no matter what comes and no matter what happens and no matter what goes on, I am not just a student. And I'm not just a teacher. I'm not just a grocery worker. And I'm not just this or just that. I'm not just a mom. I'm not just a dad. I am created with a mandate to be something and to be someone who cultivates what I've been created for. Listen, this, the plant's not going to grow just because God waters it. The plant's going to grow because you also cultivate the soil. God's placed a, a seed in your life, and he desires for it to go. So don't, man, to where you are, wherever you are, don't, i got to get super spiritual and not do my job. That's a terrible idea. But also don't go, man, I'm not going to do anything because, you know, no, go, go do what you do and do it well. Have this new energy about your life that says, you know what? All things are worship. The way I treat my wife, the way I talk about my husband, the way I love my friends, the way I lead this team, the way I do this thing, the way I do, man, all of this is my response to what God has done towards me. And watch as the career you've been despising actually is a career that begins to bring meaning into your life. Because it isn't just a... Man, I'm telling you, you'll discover so much more about your calling by doing whatever's in front of you. God always likes to steer a moving car. It's hard to steer a parked car. Doesn't really work. If you just get going with what God's given you to do. Don't limit worship. Could it be that what you do and how you do it will point people to what he's done? and what he wants to do. I'm not saying that your career is ever going to be easy or that it's all just going to work out now because you look at it as worship. Or, and I'm not saying that you, you sit in your cubicle and you blare the worship music even though it's against the rules. And I'm, not, I'm, not saying, I'm just saying that what if you viewed your day tomorrow and you woke up and you said, you know what? Jesus created me in his image. I want you to throw up, can you throw up Ephesians 2.10? I want you to read this verse again. Now that we've just talked about this whole work thing, I want you to hear this verse a different way. For we are his creation, created in Christ Jesus. That's an image phrase. Created in Christ. It's now that we are, we are now held in his image and in who he is. We are now made righteous because of who he is. We are now made full because of who he is. You know what does he say? If you want rivers of living water, come to me and I will give you because of the Holy Spirit in you. This is an image statement. You are now my creation because you were created in me. So why did Jesus come? To remind us and to bring back this understanding that I'm made in the image of God. And then what does he say? For good works. Now, I just want you to hear something. That is not a singular word. Some English teacher, help me out. That is not do for good work. It is for good works, which might mean you have more jobs than you ever wanted. And it might mean that you go from career to career to career. But it does not limit your calling. Because wherever you go, you are created for good works, which God prepared ahead of time so that we would walk in them. Created for good works. More than one. More than one thing. It may not look the way you wanted it to, but it still can be a good work. You may be in a difficult season, but that can still be a good work. There may be a tough time, but man, God is still working because Jesus came, died for our sin, 
but not just for our sin. He died so that he could redeem our image. He could redeem who we are because the sin is what takes us from what he's created us for. When Adam and Eve ate the fruit, you know the story. Some of you believe it, some of you don't. That's fine. He ate the fruit. And then they, what happened? They were taken out of the very thing they were created to cultivate. Sin, at the very root of it, is what takes you away from God's purpose for your life because you've rejected his lordship in your life. And so when he says, hey, I've created you for good works, he's redeeming the original call of your world and of your life and your heartbeat and your hands so that you might do good works wherever you are. See, to trust this idea that you're created to cultivate something is to trust the idea that what Christ has done is that all things would pass, old things would pass away and behold, all things have become new because you are now in Christ Jesus and in his sacrifice for you because nobody else can give you the image you so deeply desire to have. Nobody. Because he made you, he shaped you, breathed the breath of life into you and then said, I'm going to set you here that you might cultivate it and worship in it. So how many of you know, all of a sudden Adam's view of tending the garden and watching over the animals. All, all of a sudden now, this was worship. I mean, you know, worship is something to be enjoyed. Worship is something that when you empty yourself to honor God, he fills you up. So what actually Adam is doing as he tends the garden and works over it, God is actually restoring and working in him his very image and who he's called to be. He's feeling more fulfilled than he's ever felt in his life. And that's what you and I desire be fulfilled.